This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, amen. Thank you, Pastor Mike, and thank you, Bridgeway. It's great to see you here today. I'm super excited. If you caught that, we have a really special thing this morning. We're going to be baptizing some of our own here in the church service. We have two here at 9 and then four at the 1045 service, and I couldn't be more excited. Um, if you're new or visiting, if you're family here, we couldn't be more excited to have you uh, welcome those who are being baptized here today. I do want to um, wrap up our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you're new or visiting with us, we've been spending the last few weeks looking at this part of God, this person of God uh, in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And I know as a pastor that for some people, when they come to this idea, they just they have a lot of questions. You might understand that God is your heavenly Father, and you might understand, well, Jesus is God's Son. I can read about Jesus in the Gospels. But when it comes to this idea, this person of God, the Holy Spirit, oftentimes we're kind of left with a lot of questions. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and counselor and intercessor? So I really have um, kind of a simple task this morning. I want to wrap up this series, and I want to kind of give you one important truth about the Holy Spirit, and then I want to set you up to experience these baptisms here today. Uh, we've been going through kind of this experience by looking at uh, one chapter in the Bible, and that's Romans chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible, you can go and find your way to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we'll be there in just a moment. Um, this also, as Mike said, it kind of concludes a few things in the life of our church. We've been uh, kind of following this vision that God's given us to, to really have this initiative, this 10-year vision. And the initiative is to really take the task what it means to be a disciple. And so for the last several months, we've been kind of lining up these experiences, whether it be the rooted small group experience or the rhythm series or now even this series, all to kind of culminate and bring together this idea of what it means to be a disciple and to serve Jesus. So really exciting, as Mike said, that we've got our, our rooted small group uh, celebration after the service as well. But first, let me dive into Romans chapter 8. I feel as though God has kind of saved the best part of this chapter for the end. And it's really, it's my favorite uh, chapter in the entire Bible, all because of the verses that we're going to read today. In fact, I want to encourage you this morning because this part of Romans 8 is really designed to give you kind of a sense of how your faith is durable, how your faith and your walk with the Holy Spirit is meant to always be there with you. It should bring you kind of this comfort that the Spirit of God is real. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of need reminders of this part about God. In fact, the reminder for me when I read this section is that God is this warrior. In fact, this entire language in this last bit of Romans 8 is all kind of this warrior imagery. And uh, it might help this morning if you kind of just get that in your mind. Even now, just you start kind of, you hear the word warrior and you just kind of get in your mind, I don't know, whatever that brings to mind. Maybe you hear the word warrior and you think, you think gladiator, right? And you get kind of a picture of Russell Crowe and he's standing in the arena in that great movie. Or maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's, Maybe it's Mel Gibson and Braveheart, you know, whatever it is, William Wallace or William Wallace moment. Whatever image you get, this image of the Holy Spirit is, is even greater than that. In fact, it's more extreme than any gladiator or any sport, more extreme than wrestling or MMA. In fact, uh, it's far more than that. I, I was doing some research this week, and I just, I couldn't help. I came across the most obscure 
uh, sport I've ever, ever come across. In fact, I know the fastest growing sport in North America is, is pickleball, but I think soon to sweep the world by storm is chess boxing. Have you heard of this? This is crazy. If you've not heard of the sport, this is, this is probably not going to take the world by storm. But get this sport. This is so crazy. Uh, it's like boxing, except it's a little longer. It's 11 rounds instead of 10 rounds. And the first round starts with not touch your gloves, but sit down at the chessboard and play the first round of trying to navigate around the chessboard, trying to beat your opponent in chess. And then the round is over, ding, 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 put on your gloves and start throwing haymakers, really. It's like jab, jab, hook, and you fight and fight and fight until the end of the round. And then when the bell goes off, you go not to your corners, back to the chess table. And I tell you, this just, uh, everything I read about this sport is it's incredibly grueling. Unlike other, you know, mixed martial arts and other sort of battle sports, uh, this one is maybe the most taxing and exhausting because it takes its toll physically. I mean, you're throwing punches and you're getting punched. And then you also have to think strategically. How do I, how do I move around this board? And I saw this this week and I just thought how this is oftentimes how we feel in life, right? I mean, this is what your life feels like. You feel like you're a human pinata, right? I mean, you're getting hit left and right and yet you're still having to kind of keep your mind about you. You're having to navigate challenges. Maybe it's in the workspace and you feel like you're getting beat up at work. Nothing ever goes your way. And, and yet you're trying to keep your mind in, in the calling that God's given you in the workplace to be full of integrity in every single moment. Or maybe it's, maybe it's in your, your marriage. Maybe you feel like your, your marriage has just kind of been, you know, just dragged through the gutter. And you're trying to figure out how do, how do we do this? Like, how do we get through this as husband and wife? And, and in all ways, kind of keep our minds, keep our minds on I'm kind of like honoring each other, and it just feels like a battle. In fact, maybe it's another relationship. It feels like a lot of relationships are like this. They sort of, they punch, and they give a punch, and, and yet they feel so fragile. And that's oftentimes because we're sinful. And fortunately, praise God, God is not. What you're going to learn today is that your faith is secure. It's certain. It's solid. Nothing can knock you out of God's love. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives you this security and assurance. And we're going to learn this in Romans chapter 8. Hopefully you found your way to Romans 8. Romans 8, by many scholars, is considered the Holy Spirit chapter. In fact, uh, you read Romans 8, and 22 times the writer, his name is Paul, he mentions this Holy Spirit. And it's kind of ironic because he hasn't mentioned the Spirit of God at all in the first seven chapters of Romans. But here he sort of explodes and at the very end of the chapter, the part we're going to read today, he doesn't actually use the words Holy Spirit. He's just kind of assuming that you're following along in the conversation, that this is what the Spirit of God is like, and this is what the Spirit of God does. Uh, one author, pastor, great thinker, a guy by the name of John Piper, uh, he said this about Romans. He said that, the book of Romans is arguably the greatest book in the Bible, and Romans chapter 8 is probably the greatest chapter in the Bible, and I would argue that the verse we're going to focus on at the end of this message, before baptisms, I would argue it's the greatest verse in the Bible. I'll let you be the judge on that. So what we're going to do is we're going to start in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Paul writes these words. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let me just pause here. We haven't gotten to the greatest verse yet. But one of the things that's challenging about reading through Romans is this guy, Paul, is one of those guys that the way he writes, he tends to layer a lot of questions in the text. You know anybody like that? That before you can answer their first question, they've already moved on to the second and the third question. That's kind of how this whole text reads. In fact, oftentimes, Paul will ask these questions, and then he won't answer any of them for a long time, like several lines, in some cases several chapters later. It kind of gives you a little insight into how his mind is working. So we really need to go back to the top and kind of figure out what he's addressing. He says here, what then shall we say in response to these things? So you're probably wondering, well, what are these things that we would respond to? Well, he's actually responding to the area that we talked about last week. If you're here last week, we talked about how there's all these things And you can kind of look at all these things as sort of like the stuff of life, right? Like stuff happens in life. And it's not always the most pleasant things. And and you kind of wonder, like, where is God in all these issues, all this stuff of life? So we looked at last week how, how all of creation knows that things aren't right. So creation groans. And last week I tried to just raise some awareness around kind of the environmental impact of of wars and devastation. And this week I was doing a little more research and I I was looking again at kind of the wars that are going on around our world and just kind of thinking and meditating about that idea of how creation groans. And I did not know how many wars were going on all across the world. I'm I'm so focused on myself and my own life, but obviously there's there's the war in Ukraine with Russia, but there's the war in Afghanistan still, and there's the war in Myanmar, in Yemen, in all these countries currently at war. Devastation not just on creation, but devastation on human life. And so all these things is not only creation groaning, but then we groan. We, we're troubled by what we see in the world. We groan. We groan when we hear that someone has, has, has come down with cancer. We groan when we hear that someone has had a heart attack. We, we groan at all these things, and it can make us, again, begin to kind of question all these issues. And so that's what he's asking what do we do when all these issues occur? We, we bring these before our helper and our intercessor, the Holy Spirit. And if you're a skeptic this morning, then you're asking the question, well, what good will that do? Well, here he answers that. Finally, he says, well, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And he's making this argument about this assurance that we have with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but again, I, I need to be reminded of this. Because it seems like things are always sort of setting up against us. And maybe it's not the big things of life. Maybe it's just the little things of life that kind of feel like they're setting up against you. Like, I don't know, anyone else agree that it just feels sometimes like Tuesday is against me, right? Like, you know, just all of Tuesday is against me. Or little things like someone, you text them and they don't text you back. And you're like, seriously, what's going on? And you just feel like this personal attack. It's not a big thing, but it's a little thing. Maybe it's other little things that sort of kind of get to get you questioning life, right? Like, I don't know, I mean, did your team lose this weekend in the NCAA basketball tournament? Of course your team lost. 
everybody's team lost, right? Like, nobody had Florida Atlantic. I mean, just seriously, like, the world is against my bracket. I had one of those weeks where my car had to go into the shop, and I did not have in my budget all the repairs. I think that my mechanic is against me, right? Like, you know, just, I don't want to fix all these things on my car. And then uh, I banged up my toe this week. I'm not going to tell you how, because it was really stupid. And I don't want you to think that I'm clumsier than I already am. But I did this, I'm like, I'm against me, you know, just all these issues. And they can kind of make you, again, begin to question, you know, where is God in all these moments? Truth is, you do have an adversary. You have an enemy that the text says stands before your heavenly father and accuses you day and night. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. And it's a spiritual battle. Watch how Paul begins to kind of answer this question of how, how all these things are against you. Picking back up in verse 35, he asks another question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, now he quotes from Psalm 44. He says, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he answers the question. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's giving us this list of things that you may feel like are against you. And it's a long list, right? I mean, he he goes into all these things that could make you question the Holy Spirit of God in your life. So he he lists them out. What about troubles? What about hardship? What about persecution and danger? And it's so much that he kind of breaks the list up, and he goes, he dives into a second list. He says things like death, right? And you hear those words, and you just kind of sit back in your seat a little bit, right? We, We don't like death. In fact, I think all of us, we're doing what we can to avoid death. It's kind of a, a life of death avoidance. Think about it. I mean, everything we do is about death avoidance. We like life. We eat a cereal called life, right? I mean, we, we name our children Zoe, which means life. Uh, we buy a product called life insurance. Crazy thing about life insurance is the only way to get it is to die, right? So it, it feels as though there's all these things. And he goes even further. He goes into maybe these scarier things, like demons and depths. And I don't know, maybe you could add to that list today. Things that seem kind of frightening or seem, that, seem kind of challenging, right? Like banking collapses and high interest rates and addiction and mental illness and depression and anxiety. All these things that you feel like are just coming at you. And he says, can any of this separate you from the love of Christ that is love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And here's where he gives you the assurance. This, to me, is the best verse. If you don't have a life verse, if you don't have a verse that you kind of cling to, this would be the one to cling to. Romans 8, verse 37, he says, No, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. This is your assurance of what the Holy Spirit does in your life, that you are more than a conqueror. I love this. I've studied this for years, and I don't think I've taught well on this, but this little phrase, more than conquerors, is so unique uh, in the, the, the original language. In fact, we have a hard time interpreting this, but it's one word, more than conquerors. It's kind of one word in the Greek language. It's the word hypernikeo. If you look at that word real closely, you might see in the middle of it a little shoe company, right? Nike. It's right in there. If you're wondering where Nike got their name from, it's from this Greek word, hypernikeo. And you think about that. He's kind of saying in the text, 
You know, you, you're better than whatever you think is a, a winner or a champion. You're, you're not Nike. You're hyper Nike. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. But it's not because of you. In fact, I think this is what's so important. If you thought it was about you, it would just go to your head, right? If you thought you were all that, you were so great, then it would just kind of inflate your own ego. And so he reminds you right away, you're more than a conqueror through him, through God who loved us. It's that love that really binds together the spirit of God in our lives and gives us this confidence. In fact, this is what Martin Luther would call the great exchange, that it's God's love that pulls you in and holds you close. This great exchange, this atonement that you have for all the sin and all the error and all the mistakes that you make in life, it is ultimately paid for. That Jesus would take your place and that Jesus would actually put you in his place. That's the exchange that you have with Jesus. You go from death to life. You go from sinful to sinless in the view of God. You're declared righteous even though you are unrighteous. And God has to reject his son in order to adopt you as his son and daughter. And this is the good news. This is the good news that we're going to experience in baptism. While everyone seems to be in it for themselves, God is in it for you. Where everything might feel as though it's set up against you, God is for you. And I want to tell you this morning, as we experience these baptisms, as we hear these stories of life change, if you want what they have, if you want certainty, if you want an assurance, if you want a guaranteed lock, then make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. It's the only thing that I can guarantee you. It's the only thing, this gift of salvation, that will lead you into eternity. You'll be sealed by this power of the Holy Spirit. You'll have this union with Christ that nothing could ever separate. That's what I love about baptism. Baptism is literally the sign as they go into the water that they're entering into the death that Jesus experienced. And then they're coming out sealed and united through the Holy Spirit with Christ from death to life, this rebirth. And these people that are coming up are, are making a very brave and bold statement with their faith. It's not easy. I'll be honest with you. It's not easy getting up in front of a crowd and, and talking. It's really not easy getting up in front of a crowd and telling a little bit about your life story. And we have them do that because we believe that there is great power in testimony. That when they give their testimony, you actually have an opportunity to hear what God's doing in their life and you get to be encouraged and inspired in your own life and in your own walk as well. And so I'm going to kind of wind it down, and I'm going to invite our first candidate to come up. His name is Mike, and as Mike comes up and shares, I, you have a really important role to play this morning. Um, as Mike gives his testimony, I've promised him that this is the safest and most encouraging place that someone could ever share their story. And they might be just a little nervous, so I want you to do your part of encouraging them. I want you to clap for them as they come up to the stage. I want you to cheer them on. Uh, when they come up out of the water, I, I know we're not normally the kind of church to shout amens and hallelujahs. Today we are, all right? So let's raise the roof on this place, and let's speak to God about what he's doing here in our church. I'm going to pray for our candidates, and so if you would just bow your heads and pray with me, please. God, what an awesome morning to experience this transition from from death to life, and this union of the Holy Spirit that gives us this assurance and the security that you will never leave us, that your love will bind tight into our hearts, and we could do nothing to ever push it away. I'm so thankful for that truth. I'm thankful for those that are being baptized here this morning of just giving their testimony. May we be encouraged. May we hear what your Spirit is doing in and through their lives. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen. 
Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or our website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide. 